Well, let's welcome Randy today and give him a, a great summit welcome. Everybody. You know, Pakistan's a mess, but so is America. But all problems are solved at the foot of the cross. I don't know what's going on in your life. Sometimes we have our struggles, we have our trials. But when we come to the foot of the cross and realize what Christ has done, it changes everything. I'm so glad to see people joining the church. It's not like church membership is going to get you to heaven. You're just going to have more fun. Because <laughs> you're going to be in the fellowship of other believers. And we're not meant to live this life in isolation. We need each other to encourage each other, to build each other up, and to support what God can do through us in spite of us. And I'm going to share with you what God's teaching me. I don't preach on what I've read. I preach on what I've lived. Are you good with that? And God's still teaching me stuff. I'm kind of, they say an old, can't teach an old dog new tricks, but yes, you can. With God's help. I'm so glad they're still using Gary here. He's proof that you guys still believe in old guys, but <clears throat> I don't know. Gary, where are you? Anyway. <laughs> I love you, brother. Anyway, you know, several years ago, I was um, speaking um, in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And you know, this is not the only time America's been at a crossroads. America was at a crossroads. And that crossroad was in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. If you've never been there, it's unbelievable history. The, the, our country was torn apart and thousands of people were dying on both sides, and it was an awful, awful scenario that was going on. And uh, Lee was bringing his army actually into the north the first time to see if he could make inroads into the north, and it happened to be Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, because it was the crossroads of many roads. How many know that America's the crossroads of many roads? And... Um, so in between my speaking, my wife and I uh, went and visited the battlefield. And it's, it's, it was quite, I mean, I've heard about Gettysburg, even seen movies about it, but it was quite, uh, quite a journey because it literally took me to where it happened. And there's a place called Little Round Top. And they believe that the battle that happened at Little Round Top was literally the change, the course of change, for the whole Civil War happened at the Battle of Little Round Top. It was this high point, and I, I stood there, and there's this little knob, and there was this little Union regiment under the leadership of Josh Chamberlain, quite a fascinating character because he was actually a, a, a university professor in Maine. This was a guy who was used to teaching in a classroom, not you know, on the battlefield, and yet, uh, and he didn't join right away, but finally he felt like he needed to join. He was a man of God. He was a man, if you read his history, you realize that he was somebody who truly sought God. And this man of God was put in a very difficult situation. Literally, the Union soldiers were vastly outnumbered, and now we're out of bullets. And there was going to be another charge by the, by the Confederates, and it looked like it was going to be the end. But Josh Chamberlain, inspired by God, he would later say, ordered the men to fix bayonets 
And instead of retreating, to charge. They charged the Confederates with almost no bullets and bayonets because they knew it was going to be hand-to-hand combat. And long story short, they won. You see, we can be vastly outnumbered. We can be out of strength, out of ammo. But when God gets involved, the course changes. And I think there are many times in our life that we're at a crossroad. I believe America's at a crossroad. I believe that the future of America is going to be determined by the churches and by the people of God. What happens in our churches is going to determine what our future is. And um, God really, how many know God can speak to you in kind of strange ways, in weird places? A few weeks ago, uh, I don't want anybody to hate me, but in the wintertime, I live in Florida. (laughs) I left 85 degrees and sunshine and a beautiful view outside of my condo in Fort Myers, Florida. Beautiful view of the Coosahatchee River. It's over a mile across. I look at downtown Fort Myers. And, um, and I work from there. I'm not retired. I will never retire until God takes my breath away. Because God doesn't call us to retire. He calls us to sometimes change our occupations or change our focus. But anyway, I'm, it's a secured building, and so I punch in my code to get into the building. And this voice comes on, and it says, access granted. And this door opens up. And as I walk into this secured, not anybody can get into it building, I'm thanking God. Don't you think that's appropriate to thank God for good things? And I'm just celebrating. Thank you, Jesus, that I have this place to go to and this beautiful setting. And I'm just thanking God. And then I, how many know that Sometimes God speaks to us and he gives us something that we weren't expecting. And all of a sudden I heard heard God say to me, don't celebrate the temporal or the material, celebrate the eternal. You have access to me. If you were as excited about the reality of your access to me through the work of the cross, through the blood of Christ, boy, would things be different. And it really, I'm, on a t- I'm just being transparent, it convicted me. Because we have access to God. When Jesus died, the veil to the temple was torn. And it no longer meant we had to go to a synagogue and have a priest pray for us to have our, we could go directly to God. Folks, I don't know about you, but I sometimes have lost the, fa- the passion and the enthusiasm. I still love Jesus. I still want to serve the Lord. I'm, I'm all in for Jesus, but sometimes I celebrate the wrong things. And God wants to bless us. It's not, listen, I've, I like a quote. I've been rich. I've been poor. Rich is better. There's, there's no glory in poverty, but it's when we fall in love with what doesn't last. And sometimes, you know, God seems like a long ways away, doesn't he? In the midst of our struggles and our trials. And sometimes it's so hard to hear that still, small voice. And sometimes I said, 
God, sometimes the problem is so real and sometimes it feels like you're a long ways away. But by faith, as I pursue the reality of who I am in Christ and through Christ, it's, that's when the miraculous happens. And so I, I have made a renewed pledge. I'm going to embrace the reality that I have access to God Almighty. And it's in that access that everything else has its right place. It doesn't mean that I don't, you know, I'm not going to sit on a stump and wait for the second coming. I'm going to be fully engaged, all in. To me, you don't come alive and tell you, love God and serve others. Even our businesses and the things we do at work, it should all be to the glory of God. Colossians 3, uh, 17 says, whatever you do, do with all your heart as unto the Lord. That's the way we're meant to live. So, um, I, I have, I, um, by the way, uh, I have found the more I read the word, the more things become clear. The more time I spend in this book, the better I like the outcomes. I even like my prayer better. And Ephesians has become one of my favorite books in the Bible because it really kind of brings home the reality of access to God. And here's what Ephesians 1 says, and I sometimes share this at a sportsman's banquet because, you know, the outdoors is compelling evidence of God. Listen, if you live in Alaska and look around and think that somehow Alaska is here by some freak of nature over billions of years, you're stupid. And they teach stupid in our universities. Thinking themselves wise, they become fools. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm just saying, come on. We know there's a God, right? What we can't understand, because our mind is incapable of under, fully understanding God. Because we see through a glass darkly. But someday we're going to see him literally face to face. But here's what Ephesians 1 says. Even before he made the world... God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Before he made the world, he planned for you. He, you're not here by some accident. You're here because God ordained it. And you need to see yourself Though there are billions of people, God uniquely chose you to your very existence. And I can't understand exactly how God has time for me, but as I live with that kind of expectancy, I experience it. Here's what Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has designed us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Before he made the world, he planned for you. And not only planned for you, but he planned good things for you. Isn't that awesome? If you're not having good things, if things are not going well in your life, it's because you've grabbed the brush. And you think you know how you want things to go. It's time to give that brush to Jesus. And say, please, God, paint that picture you planned for me. You're the artist. You're the ultimate artist. Please, God, take my mess and turn it into a masterpiece. How many have experienced God can take a mess and make it a masterpiece?
Amen? Here's Ephesians 2.17. This is amazing stuff. He brought this good news of peace to you, Gentiles. Aren't you glad it includes us Gentiles? It wasn't just for the Jewish people. Who are far away from him. We were, at one point, we were, I mean, we, we had no connection. And peace to the Jews who were near him. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of Christ, what Christ has done for us. We all are in. We all can have access. Everyone, Pakistan, doesn't, China, I've been to Ukraine, which, uh, you know, my heart goes out for that situation. Been to Moldova, I've been to China. Man, oh man, everybody. He's not willing that any should perish. Isn't that awesome? So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are in his house. We're in God's house today. Amen? Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of the dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Isn't that, that is, when we come before God, listen, when we sing songs, when we worship God, when we come here, we lay ourselves down and we meet with God and we become the dwelling place of God Almighty. And then Ephesians, you know, I have to tell you, when I preach, I use a lot of scripture. You know why? Because then it won't be me talking. The scripture is pure. And I like to use scripture. And here's what Ephesians 3.20 says. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could, uh, might ask or think. Infinitely more. I don't know about you, but I can't comprehend infinitely. Because I know who I am. But I don't always understand who God is. And what God can do in and through me and in spite of me. But I want to have the faith to trust God that when I truly access his throne, he can help me do what I can't. God can help you do what you can't do. I've experienced that in my business life. I've started companies that have generated billions of dollars in sales. That's not because I'm so smart. That's because I'm so desperate for the wisdom of God. And James 1.5 says, if your heart's right, you can ask and you'll receive God's wisdom. See, we have not only our own giftings, but we have the power and wisdom of God in our lives. My brother makes bow and arrows from dreams in the middle of the night. And he sold at a wholesale level over a billion dollars worth of bow and arrows. Not because he's so smart, because God's so good. And that's a, that's a crazy story of how God can take anyone and use them. Well, you know, to have access to God, there's a passcode. Just like getting in my condo, you've got to know the code. It's not like we can just come before the throne of God any old way we want. You can't get there through Muhammad. You can't get there by being good and having good works. You can't even get there by knowing the Bible. Because in Matthew 6 or 7, it says, God will say, I never knew you because your heart wasn't where it needed to be. 
But here's the code. I'm going to give you the code today. BBD1. That's the code to come before God. Every day, there are four things that need to happen for you to access God. First of all, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Even though we may have been saved for years, there's still a point every day we must say, God, I believe you. I trust you, and I give my life to you. And you know what happens when you start to believe in God? You also then realize you need to repent of your sins. When you believe, you're convicted, and you get rid of the junk. God, God cleans up the junk. The only way Pakistan is ever going to come out of their mess is through belief in Christ. And confession of our sins, what's happening in Ashbury, how many have heard of the Ashbury Revival? And everybody gets all excited about it, but it really started with one man, one student getting up before, before his other students and repenting. All true revival is not about great worship, it's about repentance. And then we celebrate the work of the cross and the repentance of our sins and the wholeness. And here's what... Um, um, what First John says, First uh, John, uh, John one seven. But if we are living in the light, God is the light, the only light. As God is the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Let me tell you, social justice is a lie. We can't. It's a false narrative. But being justified by faith solves all problems. Then we can learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You know, I don't like me without Jesus. My wife doesn't either. But when I confess my sins, and as David, King David said, search my heart, O oh God. See if there be any wicked way. And, and believe me, in this life with our sin nature, there's always some, some things that we have to deal with. Even Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Don't, isn't it a battle? It's a battle. But Jesus gives us victory. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So before we come to God, we, we have to believe and confess. And that's the first code to, to access God. The other one is B, B. So the believe, and then the second B is the Bible. Folks, if you showed me your Bible, I can tell you if you're serious about your relationship to God. What does it look like? Is it, is it a mess? It's tore up. Is it marked up? Is it tear-stained? You can't access God until this becomes what matters. 
When COVID hit, I was in, watching the news, you know. Don't you hate COVID? What an evil, wicked thing. But you know, in many ways, COVID brought us back to what matters. And I was, you know, I don't have a TV because I don't want to waste my life in front of one of those things, but, on, you know, you can get the news online or whatever, on your phone. Uh, I think we should flush our phone sometimes. And God just spoke to me and he said, Randy, quit, quit reading the fake news. Spend more time in the good news. And so I just hungrily started just from cover to cover reading the Word of God. I mean, I've always read the Word of God. I have my devotions, but I, I kind of camp out in Proverbs. And I like Psalms because David said, strike my enemies dead. You know, I like that. I like, you know, I like, there's passages I have. And I love Ephesians because it says, with God's power at work within us, even though I'm not that bright, God can do amazing things, you know? I like those scriptures, but as I read through the Bible, I start to hear other themes. And it's, what I find is it's so common for God's people to fall away, to have false idols, to worship condos in Florida rather than the presence of God. Show me your Bible, folks. Is it a mess? Is it written? All's torn up? All, all cry? Is there tear stains? That's what matters. This book is the book of life. You know, I know a lot of pastors who preach from Christian books, you know. This is the book. Because even there's some, some good books I know out there, but they have a little air. And I remember my, uh, um, one of my professors in Bible school said to me, God is pure. His Holy Spirit is pure. And there's a well. But when we lower our human bucket into that well, we tend to taint it. But when you stick to Scripture, you're, you're not going to get off track. Am I making sense? So what does Psalms 1 say? Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaf never withers, and they prosper in all they do. You want to prosper? You want to experience God? This is it, folks. Do you meditate? Do you, do you, do you absorb the word of God every day in your life? Are you like hungry? Have you ever had a, 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 a physical hungry? Like, you know, like, I don't know why, but ice cream really attracts me. Are you hungry for the Word of God? You know, guys, if you spent a fraction of the time reading the Word of God as you do watching sports on TV, you'd be a changed man. It's a football game. And I'm not saying we don't ever do that, but what's your priority? This has got to be our priority. If we want to access God, we often only believe, but we have to read and digest the Word of God. And if I'm stepping on your toes, I'm glad. So we believe, and then we read the Bible, and it becomes the core of who we are. The Word of God. If you hide the Word of God in your heart, what will happen? You won't sin. And that's pretty basic, right? If you've got problems that are unresolved, I pretty much can almost guarantee you it's because you're not spending enough time in the word so if you want to access God God doesn't you know God knows our hearts He's, he closes 
You can't access him if your heart's not in the right place. The only way your heart gets in the right place is you've got you to get in the word of God. And then I like, so B, B, and then D. What does D stand for? What does D stand for? Doers. Don't just listen to the word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what it looks like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you have heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Folks, it's not a a spectator sport, Christianity. It's an engagement. You read the word, and then you do the word. I believe if you're not called to be a pastor, you're called to come alongside one. And you're never going to grow in your faith until you engage it. Don't just attend this church. Get engaged. Find out from your pastor, what's your vision? How, How can I get behind what you feel like God's calling our church to, our community? Everything that's wrong out there can be dealt with if we get engaged in the mission of the church. We don't just wait for the problems to come to us. We go to the problems under the authority and encouragement of our pastors. So let's not only believe and read the word, but let's do the word. Are you doing the word? Every day I believe God answers prayers through people. And God has used me. I remember one time I had an employee who was going to abort her baby and I overheard her. And I've shared this with you before and I'll be brief about this. And I, I didn't want to say anything because, you know, you can get sued for sharing your Christianity with people and what if things don't turn out well. Well, I encouraged her to not abort her baby. That I would pray for her that I believe God had a plan. Long story short, she was going in Monday because I spoke to her. The words of encouragement from God, not from me. She had a healthy baby girl that today is 17 years old. God used me to be a conduit to answer prayers. More and more, I just want to be that man. You see, I believe God wants to not only heal you and help you, but he wants to then take the train wreck of your life or the problems of your life, the disappointments or the tragedies. I believe out of every heartache, God will bring ministry. It's not the good times that find us, it's the bad. It either makes us bitter or better. And um, so as we live the word of God, we experience the power of God. Amen. So BBD1, what does one stand for? Making God number one. Can I be, uh, can I be a little brutal? If you don't tithe, God's not number one. Because you're not truly trusting God. You're not putting God first. If... If, uh, if you have a job that doesn't allow you to spend time in the Word, find a good church to plug into, then that job is God. You must make God number one. And sometimes maybe my family has, I mean, I love my wife. She's been married to me for over 45 years. She knows me and still loves me. Man, I love that woman. But I must love God more. Because when I do then I'm the husband I want to be to her. 
Make God number one, folks. Make him number one. You know, I like, and I'm, I just have a few more scriptures and then uh, I'll be wrapping it up here, but um, Corinthians, boy, First and Second Corinthians, by the way, if you're not camping out and spending some time there, you're missing it too. But here's First Corinthians 3.16. It says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, turns to the Lord, when we turn from celebrating condos to focusing on God, then, some, then the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the, is the Spirit, and whenever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord God, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. When we come before God, he takes away the veil and we can see clearly and we become more and more like him. And then uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.16, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we can so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot, cannot see will last forever. Right now, we, all of us probably have challenges and struggles. Right now, I have a daughter in a mental ward in a hospital in Wisconsin. And frankly, it makes me a broken man. I would do anything for her. I told her once, honey, I would die for you, but I can't live for you. Please follow Jesus. You know, without Jesus, we all go nuts. We all go nuts. So every day I just say, God, I can't fix my daughter. I know you can. So I'm just going to believe that you have a plan. And I ask you to forgive me for my own sins. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to help bring the word of God. I pray, Holy Spirit, bring your word. Before Every time when I pick up the Bible, see, it's the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent us. And as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then the word comes alive. And we get rid of the junk in our lives, the garbage in our lives. And we become more and more like Christ. And then whatever comes, it's a short, whatever the, listen, whether it's good or bad, uh, it's, in this life, it's going to go away. Everything we own, we're not going to own. Even our bodies, at some point, are going to go away. But our soul, our spirit is going to live forever in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Here's what um, David said, King David. And I, and I love King David. He, I, I relate to him. I don't think he was Scottish, but I am. I'm a, I'm a warrior, man. Scottish people are warriors. We need a good battle. And uh, we just have to make sure our warrior's heart is focused on God purposes. But one of the wealthiest, most powerful men that ever lived, he had everything in the time. You couldn't have more than that man had. He had everything. And here's what he says in Psalms 27.4. One thing I ask of the Lord, one thing. 
I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. He got to the point where he realized what really mattered is to be in the presence of God. Folks, I want to just be in the presence of God. I'm not going to sit around and do a whole bunch of nothing. I want to be more engaged, more on fire, more intentional, more focused than ever. But I want my focus to be on Jesus and the presence of God that I can have every day in my life. And though I can be grateful for a condo in Florida or grateful for whatever else God's given me, I want to be most grateful and most focused on the presence of God that I have free access to when I get it right. You know, it doesn't take very long, and this is my last scriptures. But in Genesis, the first book in the Bible, by the fifth book, God is telling us what he wants. Because in chapter 5, it's who, you know, Adam was the father of Seth, and everybody's the father. It's given kind of the lineage. And then it gets to, it gets to, chapter, uh, to chap, chapter 5, 21. It says, when Enoch was 65 years old, that's pretty old, don't you think, to, you know? And back then they lived longer, but he became the father of Methuselah. And Methuselah was, as far as we know, the person who lived the longest, 965 years, of, the longest person to ever live. But was Enoch known for that? No, he wasn't. After the birth of Methuselah, listen, folks, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. Close fellowship. All of a sudden, in the midst of this scripture, God is pointing out a man not because he, was, he wasn't special in any other way, not just because he was a father or whatever. It doesn't say he was wealthy or famous. But Enoch walked with God. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. You know what God wants most from you? In fact, the one thing he really wants, he wants relationship. What is your prayer life like? Because it'll be telltale. Are you always asking God for stuff? Or are you seeking the heart of God? Are you expressing gratitude to God? Are you, are, are you uh, saying, God, remove the sin so you and I can, can have this relationship? Are you pursuing the relationship? If you look at all the crowds following Jesus, why did they follow Jesus? Most of them didn't want a relationship with Jesus. They wanted to be healed. They wanted food. They wanted stuff. Hey, when your kids call you, they always call you and they're asking you for stuff. Does that feel very good? No. But if they call you and say, hey, Dad, could we go have coffee? Yes. That's what I long for. And I can't fully comprehend how I can even matter to God. But what God wants from me is a relationship. He wants to be in relationship with you. And then in chapter 6, here's another man. And uh, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. Can you, if we think we got it bad now, he was the only one living righteously before God. Sometimes it doesn't just feel like as Christians, boy, we are kind of the minority there's just so much crazy and stupid stuff going on, and they embrace 
calling evil good and good evil, and we're trying to wander our way through this. But Noah lived in a terrible time. He was the only blameless person living on earth, and he walked in close fellowship with God. What does the scripture all say? Noah found favor. I don't know about you, but I want God's favor. I want God to take this imperfect man and do what only he can do. So folks, I believe we get off track really easy. Every person in this room, including me, does not embrace the reality like we should, that we have access to God. And it's as we pursue that access, miracles happen, lives are changed, and eternal destiny is set in place. We are designed to be in fellowship with Christ and God. We get to God through the work of the cross, through Christ, forever. But sometimes we sure make the journey messy because we don't pursue that reality like we need to. Mitch, would you please come up and we're going to do some worship music. And um, I just want to spend some time just allowing you to just pursue God this morning. If there's sin you need to confess, please do that. And he's so quick to forgive. You know what? With Christ, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It's gone. Isn't that an amazing thing? It's a new day, folks. It's a new day. Whatever, whatever you brought in you, that's, that you need to, you can leave it here, okay? God's, God will clean it out. It'll make you a new creature. We're all new creatures in Christ. And the more we pursue the face of God, the more we experience the power of God. You see, I believe when we get to heaven, the only disappointment that we're going to feel is when God says, Welcome. Now let me show you what I wanted to do, but you didn't trust me to do. If you're breathing, there's a reason, and God planned for you before he made the world. And I don't want to live an average, barely get by Christian life. Do you? I'm done with mediocre. I don't want to do mediocre anymore. I want to do miraculous. Are you ready to do miraculous? And stand to your feet, let's pray. And, if, uh, and worship God if you want come down and kneel at the altar let's commit our lives to pursue the full access through Christ the veil has been torn and we can now present ourselves to the God of all gods the only God the only true God who takes us and makes us something beautiful thank you for joining us today we look forward to connecting with you next time. And don't forget, you can support us by giving through the Church Center app or by going online at summitwc.com give.